0: Welcome to Stories from the Park, a Heritage Park podcast. Hi, I'm Dominic Terry, Communications Manager.
1: And I'm Casaya Quill, Chief Curator.
0: We are located on Treaty 7 land in Calgary, Alberta, a place where visitors come to learn about the history of all those who have gathered here and where Indigenous people proudly share cultural traditions and tell stories about their rich heritage, history, and attachment to the land.
1: Terry Fox's Marathon of Hope in 1980 spanned 143 days, which saw Terry run a marathon each day and, as the popularity of the run increased, people would also be increasingly drawn to Terry, following his progress across the country.
0: One of the constants on his journey was the Van of Hope, a 40 Econoline that followed behind Terry as he made his run, becoming a place of refuge for him after long days on the road.
1: Terry had two traveling companions on his journey, his good friend Doug Alward and his younger brother, Daryl. The three would travel together until Terry's journey came to an end in the Thunder Bay area after an astonishing 5,373-kilometre run in the name of cancer research.
0: The van is on display at Heritage Park until January of 2024, and we spoke to Daryl Fox about their time in the van and its significance in the Marathon of Hope. Hey Daryl, thanks for doing this.
2: You're welcome. Looking forward to to chatting about uh, the old stinky Ford van. <laughs> I bet that that's one of the one of the the
0: main ways that it probably could be uh, described at uh, at one point.
1: <laughs> well, hopefully, so, it doesn't still stink when we get it here.
2: <laughs> no, we didn't bring when 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 we fully restored it. We did not bring back the odor. That's so we get that out. <laughs> I bet everybody
0: was, was thankful about that. Uh, Daryl, when when. Uh, when we talk about of course terry i mean the logistics behind this is, is the is the story that we're digging into today when he started to talk about doing the run when when was the van brought into the idea of how are we going to get this guy across the country
2: Oh yeah, that that entered in fairly early after Terry made the commitment in the fall of 1979 that he was going to run across the country. He started to think about what what do I need, um, and certainly the uh, a vehicle surfaced very quickly, and uh, he he started a a letter campaign looking for and it was Terry really there. It was a it's it's interesting when I reflect back on it just how small the the group was that. Um, was responsible for organizing you know, the pre-run activities. And it was really just Terry. Terry was the lead. He relied a lot on, on good friend, Doug Albert, who traveled with him during the Marathon of Hope, and also his, his girlfriend at the time, Rika Noda, who um, was responsible for the, the letters themselves. You know, they were certainly Terry's thoughts and ideas, but uh, Rika was the, the one that put pen to paper. And a letter was sent to to Ford of Ford of Canada and um, they actually replied and they, they expressed an interest in supporting Terry's run. At that time, it wasn't called the Marathon of Hope. It was a run across the country. And um, Terry was uh, offered a, a, a Ford Econoline ban on loan. It was never actually mm. given to Terry. It was, it was a loaner vehicle to him. So he was pretty excited and, and happy when, when that uh, confirmation was received.
1: that's awesome when when he received that confirmation was the van already equipped with all of the kit for kind of the road trip of camping type facility or was it retrofitted to do that
2: yeah it it was a a camperized van and the name of the firm like i remember it's it's on the van now was funcraft they're they're no longer in operation but they were responsible for camperizing it so it uh yeah it had a, a mini a mini stove and 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 fridge, and uh, last but not least, a porta potty in the back as well. Too <laughs> that was there too.
0: <laughs> so there wasn't very much that was needed then to prepare the van for the trip. It kind of came as one kind of thing and just
2: ready to go. Ready to go, yes. Um, it's it, it's actually fascinating Dominic to look back on it now when I have a chance to to take a peek at it and and to think like it was tight for just two you know, young adults, let alone the third that arrived, me, later uh, on, uh, you know, on the scene. It, it's very cramped space, but yet three of us slept in that van. It's, wow. it's unbelievable. When I look back now, I just can't fathom, and for some reason, Terry got the big bed. He got the lower lower bed, whereas Doug, Doug and I, there was a, a bunk bed above Terry's bed below, and Doug and I somehow managed to, to find a way to to actually be up there but actually get some sleep as well.
1: That's amazing. Um, So you just kind of hinted on that you weren't there when you started and you joined a bit later. Um, So w- what uh, brought you on to the to joining on the trip?
2: Yes so um, you know Terry was meticulous in preparing for the Marathon of Hope. He had his route prepared. He had approached people to support him, the van. He had gas vouchers. He had Fundraising, raise some money for for uh for the trip as well. But what he didn't prepare for was living away from home for the first time mm-hmm. with his best friend, 24-7, in a very tight space. Mm-hmm. So it quickly became apparent that if someone else didn't join the Marathon of Hope, there would be a marathon of hope murder. So. <laughs> So they, they looked around and, and saw who potentially was available. And guess what? I went by default. You know, I was the only one available. I was happy to get out of school early. High school was my final year of high school. And wow. I was on my first flight ever to St. John, New Brunswick on May 31st to be the third member of the Marathon of Hope.
1: Wow.
0: So when you guys, so then you, you joined Terry is obviously he's doing like a marathon a day eating give us the logistics of what a day looked like on the yeah. road
2: yeah days were long um you know that the alarm clock went off at 4 30 i'll repeat it again for a fact 4 30 a.m i was not <laughs> i was not tickled by the the start time you might have got
0: like... a you might have got out of school early but it
2: wasn't <laughs> on <No, for fun>. i <laughs> was not prepared for that but that's the time that terry had to wake to to run you know 42k 26 miles every day Um, so the days, the running days were really long, Um, like I was 17, I was exhausted, I wasn't running 42k, Mm
0: -hmm. um,
2: but Terry was, Um, and so, you know, 4.30, wake up, 5 o'clock usually was when Terry would start to run, because we usually would have to, like that van, that van was so critical to, to the Marathon of Hope, it marked Every marathon on the folk mile that Terry ran, it was there. Terry would use the van you know, at the end of the day in the in the maritime provinces when when time was more on his side to to go for a drive and listen to some music. We had tape cassettes, Hank Williams and Dolly Parton, which I regretted because I, I was responsible for that. so um, but uh, but this gave Terry a chance to just get away in, in the van. Um, but that van was, was so important because it did mark every, every mile. So we would drop Terry off in, in darkness. Um, there would be a marker that indicated where Terry had finished running the, the, the day before and he would touch it. And then he would start to run his first mile of the day in darkness. He would run probably 10 to 12 miles in, in the morning, um, take a break every second mile to take, uh, you know, to have a glass of water or an orange. um, Be about nine o'clock before the morning run was over. And then um, he would rest um, and recover for three hours. But it would first start with a meal. He would eat as much food as he possibly could. And then, again, in the early days of the Marathon of Hope, we would find a quiet side road where Terry could nap in the van. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: He'd be up at 12. um, And depending on how he felt, he would cover 14, 16 miles in, in the afternoon and that would take him to about five o'clock before um, the running portion of the day was over. But then it was time for him to to again with the van <laughs> as the transport vehicle to drive him to a community where Terry would share his story of why he was running across the country. So that was With some modifications as as the momentum built, that was really what a Marathon of Hope Day was like back in 1980.
1: So you mentioned that you stopped at different communities and he went and chatted with them. So did you join those communities for meals? I'm interested in how you ate and fueled yourselves as you went along. And were people inviting you to their homes or to stay overnight instead of in the van? What did you guys do?
2: yeah yeah yes please and thanks to the meals because Doug was also given the loose uh term of of chef and he and he's the only person who could do, do damage to canned foods he was horrible he was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so I was always quite excited when a, a a free meal was offered and that and that really happened more so pre pre when I arrived like in Newfoundland people were constantly inviting the boys as I called them into into their home for for a meal and um when things picked up the momentum just didn't allow for that because of all the community engagements that terry had to speak at but there was usually a meal involved in that activity too and the other the other aspect of food which was really helpful was how generous restaurants were i mean i i arrived on the scene of the marathon of hope with 50 dollars in my pocket and i had 32 when when terry was forced to stop running just because of the generosity of people giving giving food and and mm. uh and and accommodations and and so on it was uh really amazing
0: so there were nights that weren't spent in the van
2: there were not yes yeah dominique especially as as again momentum built for um the marathon of hope we would get donated accommodations um terry's preference was always the van because that was a bed he was familiar with he mm. you know if we could find a quiet side road he knew we could get some sleep whereas a hotel or a motel you didn't know who your next door neighbor was going to be you didn't know if you'd be beside a major highway um you didn't know if it had AC air conditioning when you know when summer arrived so Terry many times um you know preferred to to sleep in the in the van my preference was always please comfort I'll', I'll t- I'd like the not I'd like next, the hotel. Not, next to, not next to Doug not next to Doug and his snoring no um <laughs> and also you know um, back to the odor thing, like there, there was some perspiration involved in the Marathon of Hope and that van had odor. And I much preferred to, to stay in a hotel motel and maybe have a shower. That's a good Mm -hmm. thing. You know, cleanliness is a good thing. So (laughs) it was also a preference for me for, for that purpose as well.
1: That makes a lot of sense. Um, so when when the van uh, sorry, when you get to the end of the run, when it was forced to end, um, what happens to the van? Um, does it it goes you said it was on loan, so does it go back to Ford? What happens?
2: Yeah, it I mean, to be to be honest, on September 1st, 1980, that was the last thing on my mind. But you know, after after oh, obviously obviously Terry having to return and and finding out more about what happened to, and especially now with my the fact that I have an incredible thirst for all things Terry, I was, I was curious to see what happened to the van. And it went back. It went back to um, a dealership in in London, Ontario, which is where it came from initially. And it was put on the lot and it was sold. <laughs> and uh, a couple of families um, that were based in, in London, Ontario, had it for, for two decades or up until... 2000 yeah 2000 and then the son of um the second family um who lived in bc brought it out to bc and from 2000 to 2007 he used it as a touring vehicle for his rock band removal (laughs) so it it toured across north america and you know bill johnson the the owner at that time said you know terry was inside and they knew it was terry's van too um because it it just kept running it it never stopped um it kept going it had they actually put on over 300,000 k on it um wow. and 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 then and then we found it and, and so there <laughs> and
0: i i think that i read somewhere that they that they gave it to you back
2: no, no it wasn't no there was a bit of a negotiation there so so the this the, this is how we came to, to the knowledge that it was here in BC, you may be familiar with Doug Copeland, author. He, he uh, authored a book about Terry in, in 2005, called Terry. And in the book, he had he, he didn't want to um, repeat Leslie Scribner's bio, which was published in 1981. He wanted to do something different. Different. So he focused on all the artifacts. Mm that were part to, of the Marathon of Hope. And one of the artifacts of, is, of course, the van. And he had a picture of the van. And he was at a house party in, in um, the fall of 2007. And someone came up to him and said, Doug, read your book. Great book. By the way, the van is parked just down the street from where I live. <laughs> and so Doug um, called me um, the next day. And the following day, Early, which is very unusual for Doug Copeland. He doesn't get up early. We actually went for a drive. We met up and it was parked um, just outside the, the PE Pacific National Exhibition. And um, as soon as I turned the corner and, and laid eyes on it, I knew it was the van. Um, they painted over uh, the side wording, which didn't say Marathon of Hope, but it said Trans Canada Run for Cancer Research. But you could see how they had painted over it. And we knocked on the, I knocked on the door and, and um, Bill wasn't home at the time, but his wife was, and, you know, she said she'd relay the message and, and she knew that they, what they had as well, obviously. And, uh, and then the negotiation started because he, he was using it for the, this, this rock band. And so he was expecting me to replace it with a, a newer band and. I kept telling him this is not a this is not a Terry Fox Foundation purchase. This is something we want within the family. So, so anyways, we the conversation continued, and then finally in the fall, um, we you know I I noticed um, that uh, the insurance was about to expire. So I I gave Bill another ring, and he was more reasonable. So I ended up purchasing the van, and the next call was to Ford of Canada. And this was late 2007, which was the worst time to be approaching any any firm for a restoration. But but Ford didn't sit on it very long. They got back to me and said they'd be happy to restore it, and that's exactly what they did.
0: What's the What's the legacy of of that van? You know, the we all know Terry's legacy. I guess Doug Copeland could probably speak to it as well, talking about the artifacts that went along with the run. But what does the van mean? I mean, you know, you said that it marks every mile, just kind of from your point of view there, the the importance of the van to the run.
2: So yeah, I'm quite, as I said earlier, I'm quite attached to things, carry things. And if there is one that is more significant, maybe the artificial leg and maybe the sock, but right up there is the van because, you know, it was Terry's home away from them. Home. It was always there. It marked every mile. It's where he slept. It's where he, it's where he rested. It's where he sought uh, privacy from the, the the mass crowds that were outside all the time. And it's amazing that it had like I looked back, and I don't think tinted glass was a thing back then. I'm not sure, but the van had it, so it it, it offered again Terry protection. Not that I think anyone would go inside anyways because of the odor, but 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 it was it really was. Um, you know a really it's, it's a place of comfort for terry it's where he sought shelter and, and protection and and that's why i i cherish it and and i'm happy to see that it's going to be at heritage park coming up that's fantastic
0: when you look at it like that you know how your part in the run people may be like oh well you know him and doug drove in the van behind terry but you if if him and Doug didn't have the kind of a little bit of the abrasive, you know in their in their friendship there you know how much did it mean to you to be pulled in there to when you look back on it when you really reflect on it and I I know you know he's your brother and uh, you know that uh, that means a lot of course but you know for you to be a part of that what what was that how, how does when you reflect on it what does it mean to you
2: well, there, there aren't words really to to express how it feels. Like I, you know, I'm pretty pretty lucky and blessed that I had this incredible opportunity to be the third member. Um you know, they really reviewed the resume, which I didn't have one at the time, they would have realized I had no skills, nothing to offer, except a sense of humor, which I've misplaced. But if if you find it, send it to my to me, please. But but that's one of the one of the areas where I felt I could help was just, you know, I, there were, weren't many, very many times when Terry was relaxed because he had this, the stress of having to run a marathon every day. But when there were those moments, that was my time to take an opportunity to add some humor to, to what was, again, a very stressful situation. But I feel incredibly honored and gifted. You know, it's 40, we're 43 years removed from the Marathon of Pope. I don't feel any differently than I did in 1980, that I was lucky enough to, to hang out and, And take in what was a miracle like i you know i you know we talk i know i know why terry ran across the country i get it i you know i understand his motivation you know in terms of what he experienced going through cancer as he as he was taking chemotherapy but i don't know the how like Mm -hmm. i don't know i'm somewhat athletic myself i ride a bike i used to run a lot i don't have the answer to how he ran 42k on a prehistoric leg made for walking um i don't have that answer and that's um that's what i continue to to search for actually um and actually we're, we're in the process now of working on a, a new book where we're we're um we're going to publish excerpts from terry's marathon of hope journal 143 wow. journal entries and it's been quite incredible because it's been a, a really big deep dive for us. We're we're going back and meeting with those both during the Marathon of Hope and pre-Marathon of Hope um, that um, were Terry's friends and mentors. And it's given me a sense of more of a sense of the how, because the people that were associated with Terry were all very incredible people, incredibly competitive people too, which is, which is, I think, you know, they, they, Rick Hansen is one example, obviously, of someone that uh, Terry had as a as a friend, and it it has helped to answer that question because I think uh, you know you need a you need a circle of friends and family to accomplish great things, and that's always what Terry talked about too. I'm just one member of the Marathon of Hope, and he was speaking to all the people that that got him to St. John's, Newfoundland, on April 12th to start the Marathon of Hope
1: amazing thank you so much for sharing your story with us and a little bit more about the van we're very excited to have it at the park
2: awesome thank you enjoyed it
1: thank you thanks daryl